0: You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on Apple Podcasts. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. Morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. Thanks for being here. Before we get into the message this morning, I want to call your attention to uh, the go portion of your bulletin. Mike, Mike. might have mentioned it uh, as he was making announcements, but in the go portion, there is a Christmas calendar that has not all, but many of the events that are going on in the life of our church through the month of December, actually beginning today uh, with our Christmas decorating. There are a couple of events that got left off of this calendar because, well, I overlooked them and I didn't get them to to Heather, but uh, they'll get in there this week, but I want to just call your attention to it and point out that it looks like there's a lot of things going on in the month of December in in our church. And the truth is, is that there is a lot of things going on. And your personal calendar probably looks pretty similar to this. There are, you know, the month of December is just a busy month for everybody. And so oftentimes we look forward to when the Christmas is over. Because we're just tired and we've been on the go for for a month and we're just ready for all of the stuff to be over with. And I I know personally I get to that point pretty quickly about December 2nd. I'll probably feel that way. But this year I've, I've decided that I'm going to take this calendar and I'm going to just approach it with a different attitude, with with a specific prayer, that this year instead of these things just being things to do, just... Uh, events that I need to attend or, or those kind of things, that these will be opportunities for me to celebrate the birth of Christ, to celebrate the hope and the joy and the, and the freedom that we have, that we've been given through Christ. And so that's I'm gonna, just going to challenge you right off the bat to, to approach your December calendar, however full or empty it may be, that you would approach it with an attitude that this is, a, just, this is not just something that I have to go to. But this is an opportunity that I'm going to be able to to, sh- to celebrate the, the great hope that we've been given because of Christ's birth. And when we put it in that perspective, well, it makes Christmas a little bit more enjoyable, doesn't it? And it reminds us why we're celebrating what we're celebrating and why we have all of these things that fill our calendar. And so uh, just something to th- consider, something to think about, and and hopefully... You know, by December 25th, you're not in the same attitude that many people are. And it's just, I am ready for Christmas to be over with. Instead, you're ready to celebrate the birth of, of an incredible Savior that came to save us from all of our sins. So that's all to come. So just stick it in your Bible, stick it somewhere where you'll see it, and, uh, and, and take advantage of the opportunities to celebrate. This morning we are wrapping up our series that we've been in all month and over the past several weeks we've been talking about this idea of freedom and we've been walking through the letter to the churches in Galatians. So if you'll remember back with me uh, uh, concerning the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to these churches because the, the group there in Galatia, they had been infected by a group of people called the Judaizers. Uh, the Judaizers were a group of people who emphasized works and the law. They, they essentially said that if you keep all of the commandments, if you're good enough, if you do enough good, then you'll be saved. And Paul recognizes that that is a false gospel. That is a false teaching. And so he, he writes this letter to, to head off that mentality. In fact, he, he writes this letter to say, no, it, it's not by the law. It's not by good works that you're saved. It's by the grace of Of Jesus Christ that you're saved and so we have we've been saved to do good works we're not saved um, by good works we're not in other words we we don't do all of these good things so that we'll be saved and and instead we are saved to do good things and so Paul writes to these uh, Christians in Galatians he says look the law is unlivable We we've known this for years that the law is just you just can't live up to the standard of the law you can't keep the law and it will only bring you guilt and it will only point out where you have fallen short of the glory of God but now you've been given this grace to live in freedom from the law you have this this liberty to to love as Jesus has loved to show grace how uh, the way that Jesus has showed grace why would you want to go back why would you ever want to go back to to a, a life like that. That you just can't live up to the standards. And so we talked about that in the first week of our series. In in chapter 2, in the second week, we saw that Paul had to address some hypocrisy that took place in the church. Uh, Peter, when he came to town, there were some Gentile believers that that he would eat with. And then when his Jewish friends came to town, he kind of shunned the, he didn't kind of shun, he did shun the, the Gentile believers. And the message that he communicated to those Gentile believers was this, that they were inferior that their faith was of second class and that they didn't belong. And because of that, Paul had to address the hypocrisy that he found in Peter. And and we said that the same thing happens in the church today. There's hypocrisy in, in in just the Christian world. And when we're faced with that hypocrisy, the message that we communicate to either new believers or to those who don't yet believe is that they're inferior, that their faith would be second class and that they just don't belong. And so Paul confronted that hypocrisy that he found in Peter because hypocrisy hurts the spread of the gospel. Hypocrisy hurts the kingdom of God. And so when we see hypocrisy, we need to address it. Last week we jumped over to chapter 5 and we saw what we're supposed to do with this newfound freedom that that we have. Paul writes that because we have this freedom that we should serve one another in love. That the whole point of Jesus coming to die on the cross for us to set us free was so that we might serve one another. Not that we would be served, but that we would serve one another in love. This morning we're wrapping up our series and we're going to be looking at the end of chapter 5 and that will carry us on into chapter 6 and as we get started, I just want to tell you about a story that I, I read about, and many of you may remember when it happened, but in the early parts of the 2000s, around 2001 or two, there was a pharmacist named Robert Courtney. Robert Courtney lived in Kansas City, Missouri, had a, had a lucrative pharmacy business. But Robert Courtney was convicted of diluting medication for cancer patients in order to make a profit. Over the course of about ten years, he diluted some ninety eight thousand prescriptions affecting approximately forty two hundred patients. At least seventeen cancer patients died after receiving a diluted form of their chemotherapy. in fact, what what tipped off uh, what, what actually got him caught and, and tipped people off was that a number of the patients that, that doctors were seeing that were going to this pharmacy for their medications noticed that They didn't seem to be suffering the adverse side effects of chemotherapy and they weren't getting any better. And so they began looking into what medicines they were taking and they they sampled it, they tested it, and they discovered that in many of the medications, less than half of what was supposed to be there was there. And in some, less than 1% was there. Robert Courtney made somewhere around $19 million in this fraud. And is currently serving a 30-year sentence in federal prison for this crime. So here's a man who was entrusted with the responsibility of handing out life-saving medication. But out of his own selfishness and out of his own greed, he he diluted it to the point that it it couldn't help people. When I think about this story, I'm immediately reminded of, of how often that happens with the gospel. The power and the promise of the gospel gets watered down with humanistic messages that that teach us that if we just work hard enough and if we just do enough good that we can earn God's favor somehow, that that somehow we can save ourselves. And this is what Paul is confronting when, when he writes to the churches in Galatia. These false teachers, these Judaizers, they had come into the church and they were demanding that these new new converts, these new believers, put themselves under the weight of legalism. That they were, they were trying to chain these new believers up with the shackles of religion and, and all of its rules and all of its rituals and all of its regulations. And Paul realizes how much is at stake as he writes to these new believers. And he wants them to understand that they have been set free, to live free. And what's, what's the use of freedom if you still live in bondage and that's what paul is writing to these believers to say look you have been set free so live free we skipped over chapter 4 but but one of the primary themes of the chapter is that we are god's children and we are set to inherit uh his kingdom with with christ galatians 4 uh, verse 7 says this it says so you are no longer a slave catch that you you're no longer slave the implication is you've been set free right you're no longer a slave but God's child and since you are his child God has made you also an heir. Did you catch what Paul says here he says not only are you set free but it's even better than that you are a, a child of God you are an heir with Jesus that means you're we're equals with Jesus in the kingdom of Christ' we're, we're an heir that's better than just being set free. Being an heir of course is a great privilege and And just like any privilege and just like belonging to any family, it comes with some responsibilities. How many moms and dads or maybe right now or maybe when you were growing up, you had some responsibilities as a kid. You had a chore to do, right? You had something. Okay, a couple of you, some of you, some of you didn't. But okay, that's all right. But some of you, yes, you got chores to do, right? There's some responsibility that comes with being a part of your family. And there's some responsibility that comes with being a part of the family of God. Listen, the gospel is a free gift to us. It gives us freedom from sin. It gives us freedom from religion. It gives us freedom from legalism. It gives us freedom from striving and earning it and, and, and working in, to, to try and earn our salvation. It gives us freedom from worrying about what other people think. The gospel is all about freedom. But as the saying goes, with great freedom comes great responsibility. And so we've been freed to live as sons and daughters of of the living God. And we're we're living in His family. And with that, if we're going to live in His family, that just comes with some responsibilities. But when we live out of this freedom, when we live out of the freedom that comes with the gospel, those responsibilities, they aren't burdensome. They're not like chores that we have to mark off our list so that we we get an allowance. It's not like that at all. They are a privilege. The power of the Spirit works in us to produce a... to produce the fruit of holy living, and it gives us the desire and the power to carry out God's mission and God's uh, plan in in the world, in in our community specifically. And so it's a responsibility. It is a a great responsibility, but it's also a joy. And it's a responsibility, but this is important. We we shouldn't miss this. It's a responsibility, but it's one that we don't shoulder alone. Not only are we empowered by the Holy Spirit, but we are compelled, we are encouraged by one another. There are, there are other people who will walk alongside of us and, and shoulder that responsibility with us. That's the, the role of the church. Someone once said, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And Paul rounds out this letter to these churches in Galatia by painting a picture of the kind of community that is created by the power and the, go- by, by the, power and the freedom of the gospel and the grace that God gives us. Listen to me on this. Gospel communities pre- or gospel convictions produce gospel communities. And we should strive to be that kind of community. And if it's the gospel that gives us the freedom, then it's the gospel that allows us to grow together. Not by ourselves, but together. And so that's the first responsibility that Paul reminds us of as he ends this letter to, to these Galatians. He says that we are responsible for growing together. And as Paul knows better than maybe any of us, Paul knows that mixing um, different cultures and different customs can get messy. He knows that mixing preferences and, and different passions... Can, can get uh, messy in the church and look if you've been a church part of the church long enough you will eventually discover that all of those things are still true today that when we mix different passions with with different preferences that sometimes people get upset because their passion somebody else's passion is not their preference and that your preference is not somebody else's passion so it, it can get messy and that's okay. Paul knows that it can get messy. He knows that we can start to, to pick at each other. And so he tries to head off that mindset from the very beginning as directly as he can. He says this in Galatians 5.26. carries over into chapter 6. He says, Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that, that person gently. But watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. We're called to be a part of a, of a community of Christians, and that means that we have to have a responsibility to one another, that we have a responsibility to each other. So there's no room for provoking each other, and there's no room for, for envying each other. And I mean, who really suffers the most when those things happen, when that kind of stuff takes place in the church? Who, who suffers the most from that? It's, it's always the people who have a, have a faith that is still growing. It's always people that are, that are new to the faith. They're the ones that, that struggle the most with this. And Paul says that when, when people struggle, when people are caught up in something, when people are caught in a sin, that, in, that instead of this uh, pointing fingers and, and criticism of them, there should be a gentle restoration. And that's in stark contrast to what we often find in the church. What we often see is there's a bunch of people who are criticizing and condemning and pointing fingers. And so the point is this, that we are not in this just for ourselves that we are in this together, all of us. If you're a part of the family of God, if you're a Christian, if you call on the name of Jesus, you are in this with each other. You're not alone. And so Paul tells us, he says, if brothers and sisters, if someone is caught up in sin, they should be restored gently. Not talked about behind their back, not ripped on social media, not judged and condemned, but restored gently. And maybe the strongest image here is, of all, comes in verse 2 when Paul writes this. He says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If you want to honor God, if you want to, you want to fulfill the, the law of Christ, Paul says, carry each other's burdens. That means when we see someone in our community who is too weak to carry their own load, we don't sit back and, and watch and just kind of shake our head condescendingly. No, we don't do that at all. We don't leave the burden with well wishes and, and just add their name to a prayer list and, and walk away. We don't do that. Instead, we crawl down under the burden that they carry and, and we share in the heavy lifting with them. That's community. That's the church. And that's what Paul is calling us to here, to share the burdens of each other. And look, I know some of you all are carrying some heavy burdens. Some of you know people that are carrying heavy burdens. This week I have received no less than a half a dozen calls or texts or Facebook messages from people who are, who are carrying some heavy burdens. And it would be easy and, and, and really tempting to just tell them, okay, hey, well, well I'll, I'll pray for you. And that would be good. We ought to pray for people. Don't get me wrong. But how often t- do we say, hey, I, I'm going to pray for somebody, and then we don't ever pray for them. Or we say, hey, uh, I'll, I'll be thinking about you, and we just put their name on a prayer list at church, and, and we don't ever look over that list. We don't ever give it a second thought. That's not what paul is calling us to paul is calling us to live life with people who are sharing who are carrying heavy burdens he's calling us to get get our hands and feet dirty to get down where they are and lift them up and carry their burdens with them and sometimes that means that we need to reach out and help other people and sometimes it means that we need to ask a brother or sister for help and i'll tell you this morning that That that's that second part of that. That's a struggle for me. I am not good at asking people for help. Uh, I grew up on a farm and my dad taught taught me and my sister that we should be independent people, that we if there was something to be done, that was our responsibility to get done. We ought to get it done. And and if you can't get it done, well, that's nobody's problem but yours. And that's just, you know, and that's great for raising independent kids into independent adults. But I tell you, that's the very opposite of what Jesus calls us to. We tell people all the time, we say things like, uh, when are you going to grow up? And, and when are you going to get out on your own? And, and the imp- implication is, when are you going to get out from under my care? When are you going to become independent for yourself? And that runs so contrary to the life of a Christian. We, you, you go, wait a minute, you're saying to be independent is a bad thing? No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying that we are not independent we are dependent on Jesus. The life of a Christian is is solely one of a life of dependence on Jesus. When we think that we can be independent, that we can do whatever it is on our own, then we don't need a savior anymore. That's what we say when we say I can do it on my own. What we're saying is Jesus, I don't need you. And if there's one thing that I need more than anything else in this world is I need Jesus. We are dependent. We're not independent. And so sometimes asking people for help is is a struggle Um, before the days of GPS maps and Siri and all those kind of things. You know, if I was driving somewhere and I wasn't quite exactly sure where I was, you know, not lost, but, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood, as long as I had gas in the car. Right. I wasn't lost. And I certainly wasn't going to stop and ask anybody for directions. You just keep driving and driving. And eventually you make enough left turns, you'll circle back around to where you ought to be. That's that's how how so many people live life this independent lifestyle but i'm telling you that's not what jesus calls us to he calls us to a life full of dependence on him the gospel reminds us that we have a freedom and we have a responsibility to bear each other's burdens you help me with mine and i'll help you with yours and together together we'll grow in christ Here's another responsibility that Paul points out at the end of Galatians. Paul points out the fact that we are responsible to persevere. Verse 7, look down at verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, and whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction, and whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So I love that Paul has just told us to to care for each other. And and then he follows that up with telling us to not grow weary in doing good. In other words, the work of the gospel, caring for each other in in this community, loving others, Paul says it can make you weary. Paul, Paul, of all people, knows that Doing the work of God can be hard. Loving people can be hard. It can be draining. You're going to get together with with family members this week, and I I guarantee there will be somebody in your family. You go, there's a reason we only get together once a year. There's a reason we only get together at Thanksgiving, right? Because those people, there are just some people that are a little extra grace is required. And if you don't know, if you don't know who that person is in your family, I'm just saying. But Paul says, he he's, he says, it can be draining, it can be hard, it can be exhausting. But persevere. Keep going. Don't quit because the reward ahead is so worth the struggle right now. And I think Paul specifically emphasizes perseverance here in doing good when it comes to how we care for one another. Because sometimes caring for others, it can start off as fun and fulfilling. And, and there's a certain joy that, that you find in that. But... You, you expect that at a certain time that's going to end, right? And as that time grows, as, as, it, as that time period expands, it just gets old. It just gets old. And so, so we get frustrated and we get tired and we grow weary. But as children of God walking in grace, we, we have had our burdens lifted. Jesus has taken those and so we are free to help and to give attention to those who need help carrying their burdens. So don't grow weary. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because at the right time, Paul says, you'll reap a harvest. At the right time. Not necessarily when you think it's the right time, but in God's time, you'll reap a harvest. And it might not seem like that now. Things might seem too broken now. The relationship might seem beyond repair now. The addiction might seem too strong now. But Paul says, don't give up. Don't give up on each other. Because at the right time, the harvest will come. Here's one more responsibility that comes with the gospel. And in some ways, this is really the, the whole point of Galatians. It's 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 that we are responsible to keep the main thing the main thing. And I mean, isn't that what Paul's been saying since chapter 1? His major concern for the Galatian Christians is that they had the gospel. They they had it. They, they had been taught the gospel, this, this belief of, of faith through and and grace and that was what saved them this through faith in jesus they had it they they had the gospel and then they they traded it in they diluted it they added on to it and paul wants nothing to do with that and so he finishes his letter with this great statement look at verse 14 he says may i never boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ through which the world has been crucified to me and i to the world so Paul keeps the main thing, the main thing. That no matter what else, no matter what else happens, no matter what else he accomplishes, he will only b- boast in Christ because it's Christ who is setting set him free. This verse sounds a whole lot like what Paul had already said back in chapter 2, verse 20, when he wrote, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, that's the main thing, that Christ loved us, and he gave himself for us. And that's such a great image as we close our series in our study on the book of Galatians. Just like Jesus was crucified, we too are crucified, meaning that we are crucified to the world. In other words, the the things that matter to the world, they don't have to matter so much to us. The things that uh, the world cares about, we don't have to care so much about them. What all the world gets caught up in, we don't have to worry about. We are free from all of that. Instead, we can keep the main thing, the main thing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He loved us so much that He would come and die for us and set us free from the bondage of sin. That's the main thing. And we can boast in Christ because He's the one that has set us free to live free, not just in eternity. We're going to live free in eternity, but not just in eternity, so that we can live free in this life. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful for the freedom that comes through the grace of Jesus. Father, would we never be forgetful of that? Would we always be reminded that your son loved us so much that, that he would come and die for us, that he would become one of us? And that he would give up his life so that we might be set free from the bondage of sin. That we might be set free from the, from the rules of the law. So that we can live free today in the grace that you have given to us. And so that we might live free in eternity with you. Father, we're so grateful. And this week as specifically we think about being thankful for all the blessings that, that we've been given. May that be at the top of our list that we are so thankful for the freedom that comes through knowing you as our Lord and Savior. Father, we love you. and It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.